so we've been walking through John. You know, I've been kind of talking about John as we get started because that's also what you're doing in life groups. And we're going to go back to like the beginning when we did John 4. Um, and when we talked about John 4, that is the woman at the well. Um, and in that one, Jesus, Jesus had an encounter with a woman. She was a woman who'd lost hope. She was a woman who was l- desperately wanting to find hope again. Um, and she had looked everywhere for hope, and she was discovering that it was just outside of her grasp. You know, we know that because we find out a little bit more about her as Jesus tells her what he knows about her. So we know that she was, um, she was searching for hope. She was searching for something. And she was coming during the hottest part of the day because she did not feel welcomed. She felt like an outcast. She had sin that, that had become obvious to everybody else and that she just felt like, I'm just going to go and avoid all of that. So there were things that she was, um, she was trying to avoid. She was feeling shunned and she was feeling not loved. So that's what finds her there. And I love how in John it, it, it uses the word he had to go there. Um, we know that it wasn't just about getting from point A to point B for him. He had to go there because he had an appointment with that woman. And I love that. And unlike how everybody else looked at her, that's, that's not how Jesus did. Um, he spoke directly to her. He looked her in the eyes. And she's even wondering, why is he talking to me? Because there's so many reasons why a man should not be talking to her. Um, and, but he looks past all of that. He looks through all of that. He knew, we know that he knew her past. because One, because we know who he is and, and him, the fact that he does. But he also tells her that. So he was aware of all of that. But... Um, that wasn't the lens that he was looking at her through. He saw her through a lens of knowing that she was spiritually thirsty. He saw so much more. He saw her heart. He saw what she needed. Um, he didn't see all of the things that everybody else sees. He saw her. And, and I absolutely love that. And I know every one of us do because that's, that's how I want him to look at me. But it's also how I want to learn to look at everybody else. I want all of us. I want me. I want us to have to look through a lens and see them that the same way that Jesus would want to um, want us to see them. He wants us to realize that their behaviors um, and the things that they do, they're just reminders, they're indicators to us that they come from a place of hurt. They are spiritually thirsty and they are in need of the water that we can introduce them to. Um, And that's how he wants us to look at them. So, um, and he wants us to be able to introduce them to that living water. And so tonight, we have ladies that are here with us tonight, and um, each day, they encounter women who are hopeless, feeling hopeless, who are desperately looking for hope, um, and each day, these ladies look at them through the lens that Jesus would look at them. They share with them, they love on them, they sit right there with them the same way that Jesus would do. And so I am very excited. Um, This is Life Choices of Memphis. They are first and foremost a ministry of Christ, which longs to see the lives of women changed with the good news of Christ. Um, They are Shelby County's only pregnancy medical clinic. So they educate and they empower the ladies that come in to see them to not only choose life, but to cherish life. Um, their staff of um, client advocates and licensed uh, registered nurses, along with their support staff, they all provide trusted care um, for individual for ladies in our community, and um, they've been doing it for five decades. And it's no cost to those um, who come in there. And I think I couldn't think of a better group of people to come and share with us tonight, so that we could also just be equipped 
to have conversations. That's the goal of tonight. The goal of tonight is not to want learn just how wonderful Life Choices is so that we can quickly give that resource out. We want to know it as a resource, but they're here to equip you and encourage you to know how to have the conversations, to know how to love on somebody that you might encounter who is either in a crisis um, pregnancy situation, has already been through a crisis pregnancy situation, and maybe they don't like the choice that they've made, or maybe they made a choice um, that has now become really, really hard as well. So we want to be able to walk with them. So enough of me. Um, the first I want to introduce you to is Rachel, and we're going to open it up with a special testimony, and then we'll bring all the ladies up to do a panel. Well, my name is Rachel Davis, and I have been on staff for uh, two years at Life Choices of Memphis. I'm the community outreach coordinator, and that's just a um, long term for um, I build bridges in the community with churches, schools, businesses, uh, private families, just anyone who wants information about the ministry. Um, I'm kind of that go-to person. Prior to being on staff, I volunteered for 10 years in our HOPE ministry, which is helping others with post-abortion experience. So the HOPE ministry is what we call that. Um, and that's just a post-abortion healing, one-on-one -on -one situation. Um, but what I like to do is, that's, that's kind of the recent history, but I like to go back um, to when I was 19. And what I, what I say when I, when I share my story is, uh, we're all familiar with the Israelites, right? When they were going through the wilderness, and they got into the time of the judges, right, when, when there was no king and everybody did what was right in their own eyes. And that was me. I was living that out. I was God in my own life. And to be honest, I was not doing a very good job of it at all. Um, I seemed to make one bad choice after another, uh, telling lies to cover lies, making bad decisions to circumvent other bad decisions. Um, and so at 19, I found myself pregnant and um, had only known this man for a few months when, you know, we found out we were pregnant and had every intention of choosing abortion with that pregnancy. Um, but God in all of his sovereignty, sovereignty uh, that secret somehow made its way out into my circle of friends. And, you know, you have to remember that this was almost 20 years ago, so abortion was not talked about as much as it is now and even less, you know, before prior to that. So uh, in my circle of friends, I, I, you know, I couldn't be pregnant and then all of a sudden not pregnant anymore, right? Because then everyone would know what I did. So we had our child. Um, it was hard. It was, it was hard being, having a baby at 20 and um, our family, you know, they, they were supportive, but my parents are not believers. So when I say supportive, right, they were just there helping with finances. But there was no, there was no real spiritual guidance um, in my life at that time. So I kind of just, like I said, I was just making choices as I went, trying to decide, okay, what's, what's good now? Okay, well, I'm having this baby, so okay, well, I guess then he needs to probably move into my house. Well, we're not married. Well, we're just going to make this thing work, and then, um, but dealing with postpartum depression um, after that baby was born, but again, nobody talked about, these things weren't talked about. Postpartum depression to a 20-year-old, I didn't even know what that was, um, so I went back to work. I worked in a retail setting. Um, I went back to work the week of Black Friday, which 20 years ago was insanity, um, 
my depression had reached an all-time low and my hair was falling out um, by the handfuls. I was angry, lashed out at people because hurt people hurt other people. And so hurting other people made me feel good um, because it was a reflection of how I was feeling on the inside. So what I would have loved is someone to have seen into that and said, hey, how are you doing? You know, what's, what's going on? You know, why are you so angry? I wish someone could have even said, why are you so angry? I might have screamed at him, but it might have started a conversation. Um, so I say that to encourage you to just, just have open eyes and notice people. Um, see people how God sees people, right? Um, scripture talks about how God is very much, um, he has a name and it's Elroy, right? And that means the God who sees. He sees us. He saw me. Um, in all my despair, in my anger, in my depression, um, right? So here we go. I'm making, you know, not great decisions. And so I decided to make another really not awesome decision. And I was like, well, yeah, we're going to get married now. So here now I'm married to this man, and I don't know how to make a marriage work. I can't parent well. I can't be a wife. I, don't even, I didn't even know what that meant. Um, but again, right, just decision after decision. And... Um, Prior to us getting married, right, living in that cycle of sin, uh, we were pregnant again. And I absolutely could not go to my mom and dad and say again, oh, we're having another baby. I just could not do it. I was scared that they were going to bring down some kind of hammer, which was not the case. It was not the case, right? Hindsight's twenty twenty, And I, I know that they would not have... You know, they wouldn't have yelled and screamed. Um, uh, you know, like I said, they're not believers. So the choice of abortion is very much, they're in the camp that that's very much a personal choice. And that if, you know, if you decide to do that, then that is what you need to do. So I was just scared because I was ashamed. I was ashamed to have to go back and say, I've made the same mistakes. I haven't learned a lesson. And here I am again. So we made the choice to abort. I absolutely knew that, or, right, I knew Satan was lying to me. If I was having another baby, there was absolutely no way I was going to make it. I, I was thinking that I would have committed suicide. That would have been easier than to have to walk this entire journey all over again. So we made the choice to abort, and that was one of the worst days of my life. It was one of the worst days of my life, and it left me marked and changed. I went into that abortion facility one person, and I came out a completely different person. I just was not the same. Um, kind of all that was left was just a shell of a person. And so I went through my days living in the cycle of sin, and in the course of three years, we got pregnant two more times. So not only did I have one abortion, but in three years I had three abortions. Um, going so far as to go to Nashville to have my third abortion because I absolutely was not going to walk into a Planned Parenthood. Because being a girl from Germantown, you can't walk into a Planned Parenthood, right? Because Planned Parenthood is, it's for, it's for trashy poor people, right? Let's just be honest. That's, that's what people were saying back then. That's for poor people. You can't go there. Someone's going to see you. What if they know you? And so I was scared. So, I, it, so it drove me all the way to Nashville um, because I knew that they would put me to sleep. And I knew that I wouldn't have to remember. So that was the easy way to cope with that. And so, again, I just went through my days, 
angry, hating myself. Uh, the relationship that I was trying to establish with my child, it was not, it was not good. I did not mother well the first several years of his life because that relationship was broken. Every single relationship in my life at that point was marked by brokenness. And that's how we all are, right? Before we give our lives and hearts to Jesus, all of our relationships are marked by brokenness because we're broken people. So uh, finally, uh, with, with a young son and just coping with the effects, uh, I was drinking too much. Um, I would go out and party with my friends just to be able to have fun. And so I was shirking responsibility, right? I was letting uh, my family raise my child, you know, just kind of passing him off because I didn't know what to do. It was hard. And, and this seemed easier than facing that, right? They say, choose your hard. That was hard, and this was hard. But this had, this had temporary happiness, temporary forgetfulness, right? I could go out, and I could be the fun person, and I could smile and laugh, and, um, and I, I was able to forget everything that I had going on in my life that nobody knew about, that I was hiding from everybody um, except my husband at the time because he lived with me, and by the grace of God, we're still married. So fast forward, <laughs> we'll be celebrating our 17th uh, wedding anniversary next April. Um, and that is simply because at one point, I decided to go back to church. I didn't really even know what that meant. I went back to the church of my youth, and if only simply to sit in a quiet place, knowing that my child was in the nursery, that he was being loved, he was being taken care of, he was being taught the things of the Lord, what a blessing. So I just sat there, and all of a sudden, man, I had an encounter, right, with the one true God. And I tell people that an encounter with the one true God, it leaves you changed, and it marks you. So I was marked by brokenness, but then I was marked by God's forgiveness and his grace. And I'm, I'm emotional because that's so beautiful. And y'all, there are women in this city, and they're hurting. And they need us to see them. And they need you to see them. The truth of abortion is that one in four women in our American churches have abortion in their past. I don't know how many women go to Bellevue Baptist Church. A lot. Uh, hundreds? A thousand? That's a lot. That's a lot of abortion. Um, that's a lot of brokenness. But... God is good, and he is sovereign, and he can fix all of that, right? He's so good. And, um, but that is kind of the story behind why I do what I do now. Um, one, because crisis pregnancy can, it, it, doesn't have to, it doesn't have to mark your life with failure. It doesn't have to mark a client's life with failure, right? My son is 19. He graduated high school. And I just love him, right? Of course, I love him. Um, and so we're thankful for him and all that he's doing in his life. And so um, getting into this ministry, and now this is my job, right? Um, helping women with crisis pregnancies, helping women with abortion in their past is such a passion um, because I want, woman, I want women to know that the guilt and shame of sexual sin in your past of abortion in your past, it's not who you are, right? It's what you did. 
Abortion is not who I am. It was something that I did. And so God took that. And so now he doesn't see that, right? He sees Jesus' righteousness, and he looks at me. And I'm so thankful for that. So I think that's about it. I don't want to take up too much time, so. I'm Melissa Mathis, and I'm the Director of Client Services at Life Choices. I'm also the birth parent counselor. We are a licensed adoption agency in the states of Tennessee and Mississippi. Um, so if a birth mother lives in those states, we can do her adoption. And so um, I love that part of my job. But anyway, I want to introduce these ladies, my team, that are awesome. So you've met Rachel. Rachel um, used to see clients, and she can in an emergency, <laughs> like <laughs> if we need her. But um, she actually does community development or community relations full-time now. Yes. And then Hattie McKinney is one of our client advocates at our Raleigh-LaGrange office. Uh, Denise Howard is one of our client advocates at our Raleigh-LaGrange office. And Chelsea Berry-Hill is a client advocate at our Poplar office. We have two locations, one on Poplar b uh, between East Parkway and Hollywood, right across the street from Planned Parenthood. And the other one is at Raleigh-LaGrange. Raleigh-LaGrange office is right off of Sycamore View, and that is where our administrative offices are, but we also see clients there. So I want to make sure tonight that if you have specific questions, that we get those asked, okay? So I'm going to kick it off, but I want you to feel free to ask questions. Okay? So if we don't get to all of them, those pieces of paper in the middle, write them down, and I'll ask them to provide us some answers after the fact, okay? Because I want to make sure that we fully enjoy the resources yes. together. Yes. But, um, so I would like someone just, we'll kick it off with this. If you could, somebody could describe the, the ladies that walk, that come in to the offices, what that, y'all use the term abortion-minded woman, but describe that, that encounter, and then, you know, maybe walk us through a, a meeting with them. Um, that can look different. <laughs> um, I think what I had in my mind this abortion-minded woman is not at all what it really was when I got there. So the Lord really opened my eyes to see that it can be anybody. And, of course, Rachel's kind of given us an idea of how that can be, somebody that we're sitting next to, right, in, in church and settings that we wouldn't even imagine that that could be somebody that's considering abortion or that's had abortion in their past. So we have um, clients from every uh, background you can imagine. Um every race and socioeconomic status and all, all of it. Um, they could be, I've had homeless clients all the way to very um, wealthy and well-to-do clients. So you can have a wide range of what that client can look like. Um, but what, what else were you wanting Well, to I was going to say, I think the average age range for our clients is probably 18 to 25, maybe 26. We do see them as young as 12. We've seen them as old as 48. <laughs> so we see all the age. During COVID, we saw a lot more teenagers. Um, they were home. Maybe their parents were at work, so they're hanging out with their boyfriends, girlfriends, or whatever, and getting pregnant. So, um, yeah, it's what you would might think would be when our clients is really not the typical, you know, client. So. Did that? So I would also love to hear what are some of their worries when they come in? Like, what are the thoughts that are running through their head and why they came to you? We get to hear some of that. Rachel expressed it well, but I mean, what is that? What does that look like? What are their worries? 
Well, a lot of their worries, I would say, it's what are other people going to think? And then do they have the support from the father? And then, of course, the upbringing of the parents. Um, if I tell them um, what's going to happen. And then um, a lot of times it could be... Um, them just wanting to do what they want to do, and that's have an abortion. So um, so it could be um, their lifestyle. They don't want that to change. Um, an example, uh, a girl don't want to give up being on a cheerleading team. Or it's my career. I don't have it yet, but it's coming. So those are some examples, and there's many more. I was just going to say a, a lot of them, too, like Hattie mentioned, you know, the father of the baby, the support. A lot of our clients are women base their decision on whether or not the man is going to be in the picture. Um, so it's one thing for their families not to be in the picture, but if the man doesn't support. Now, we definitely have clients, and the dads want the baby but and they're kind of more independent in that way but I would say the majority of them base that decision on if the father of the baby will be in the picture um, and something that comes to mind too is that you know these women ultimately want you know a beautiful family unit but they might settle and they are just with different men and then they find themselves in this situation and they're hurting because they want their baby but they didn't want it to look like it's looking and so we just try to help them paint it in a different picture of you will have a family. It's just not maybe looking, you know, exactly how you thought it would or how God has it designed, but that doesn't mean he can't make it beautiful. Um, so that's just kind of what comes to mind. Go ahead. I was just fixing to say that. I was just going to hit that. So she said, yeah. So she talked about the support of the father. And um, I totally lost my train of thought. But w we see our clients, and then we follow up with them throughout the entire pregnancy. Oh, I know what the mindset of the client. So when she's coming into our office, she may tell us, I don't, I don't want to have an abortion. But we know the number one factor for her to have an abortion is that she's single. So she's single, in our minds, she's abortion vulnerable, meaning she could go get in that car and say, I'm never getting an abortion, go get in that car, go home, and her boyfriend or her mom or her dad says, you're not having a baby, and takes her to get an abortion. So we le she leaves our clinic, and we're thinking, oh, she's not getting an abortion. But until that, we, don't, we say a baby saved is a baby born. Just because she left our office and said, I'm not getting an abortion, that baby's not saved yet. That baby's not saved until that baby's out of that womb, healthy, happy, whatever, you know. So um, we follow up with them every month, texting, calling, emails, until the baby's born. In um, 2020, we had 800 and 2021, we had 889 babies born, and we know their names. So we follow up with them throughout their entire pregnancy. Some beyond. Denise is still in contact with a girl that has triplets. And her triplets are 22 months old, and Denise is still in relationship with her. 
And some of us, you know, can just continue that relationship. There's some we can't contact because they don't respond. These girls change phones like we change clothes. I mean, they just are getting new phones all the time. So we do everything we can to try to reach out to them. Yes, Angela? That's a great question. Our number one referral source is a friend. Number two is the internet. Because you know, they're always on their phone. So. I wanted to answer your question. Yes, we do see clients multiple. Some of our clients come back multiple times. Yes. We have a parenting program too where they come back. But they also come back for multiple pregnancies. But they, we have a parenting program, baby prep program, that we have mentors that are volunteers that meet with them every week, every other week throughout their pregnancy. We have classes they can come to. Did you have a question? Most of the time it has. Oh, sorry. Yes, if they, if they are under um, 18 and the father of the baby is more than four years older than her, we have to report that. If she's under 14, fourteen and under, yeah, fourteen and under, we have to report that no matter what, unless it's already been reported. And most of the time, it has. So. Oh, absolutely, yes, yes. Or has got surprised. Um, she's already experienced a trauma because no 12-year-old really consents to sex probably or 10-year-old. Um, so you want to add another trauma to that. And, you know, abortion is the only crime or rape, I say, is the only crime where the, the perpetrator goes free and the victim is killed. If you get an abortion because someone was raped, the, perp the perpetrator goes free and the victim is killed. That's actually what she asked, and we didn't. <laughs> yeah. Someone running here. Okay, so, so firstly, m most of them will have an appointment. Um, we do get walk-ins, of course, but most of them will have their appointment. Um, and then they'll 
do their paperwork. Um, we have several questions on the paperwork asking them, you know, everything, you know, that we can. And so um, they'll put on there most times if they're undecided or if they're abortion-minded um, or if they want a parent. Um, and then like Melissa said, sometimes they'll put parent, but we get in the room and we start talking and then they're undecided. Um, and so um, we'll bring them back um, and one of us client advocates will go in the room and we like to just kind of put out there what the appointment will look like um, and then just try to get to know them a little bit. We try to, because we're going to be texting them every month, so we kind of want them to remember the experience a little bit as well, just like tell us a little bit about yourself. Um, but then if they are abortion-minded, um, that's where we will kind of just dive in and try to have them understand that, you know, we're not in their shoes. Um, we know that they're struggling, um, but we don't want them to make a decision based on fear. Um, so we'll educate them the best we can um, with abortion and our adoption. Um, and we just give them a space to try to process, you know. I personally like to tell them, you know, I can't change your mind, um, but Christ can. Um, and also just try to give them a space to process because most of these women come in when they're abortion-minded and they just are a ball of, ball of just yarn, I like to say, and they're not even pulling any strings to kind of loosen up their thoughts. Um, and so they're all at school. Their job is getting them to kind of come down here and just not think of it as such a something that's happening tomorrow. You know, they can plan. Um, it's not going to ruin their lives, you know, different things like that. And then the nurses will come in. Well, um, we share the gospel with every client. Yep. <laughs> share the gospel, most important, um, and encourage them in Christ in that way. And then the nurses will come in. Um, and if they're abortion-minded, they do a lot of more of the medical side of the education um, and talk to them so they know what they're going to get into. Um, and then ultrasounds, we offer our baby prep courses, um, different resources in the Memphis area. Um, and then a lot of times the ultrasounds go great. Um, it'll either, you know, sometimes that changes their mind, the ultrasounds, um, but sometimes it doesn't. Um, and then from there, we'll follow up with them throughout, you know, throughout their pregnancy and try to stay in touch and offer for them to come back in for counseling if they want to. Um, so as much as they'll let us, we try to be there. Um, some of them, like Melissa said, will answer, and some won't, but most do. Most and do. if they're abortion-minded, we'll offer them another ultrasound. Mm -hmm. uh, once they go to a doctor, we can't do any more ultrasounds for them, but if they're abortion-minded, we're like, hey, you want to come in for another ultrasound? Trying to get them back into the office so we can talk through things with them again. So. Did I answer your question? Okay. I'll defer to the any client advocate on this. <laughs> okay, so um, when we see the client, um, the first thing is just to welcome them, right? Um, to find out about who they are. Why, why are they there? Because every, every client that comes in has a story. And so you're not trying to rush the story. We have time. Um, that's the beauty of it. Um, so when the client is, is talking with us, um, we're pretty much listening to them. We, of course, we have information about them that they filled out, but we don't make that assumption that that's the information on the paper. Um, 
So when we're welcoming them and talking to them, it allows us to hear why they're there. So yes, we know that they came because there's a possibility of a pregnancy. They might not be pregnant, but in their eyes, they believe, okay, I'm pregnant. So just asking them, what brings you here today? And that opens up a lot. It, it could vary. As soon as you say that, they could just start crying. They might not be able to speak. And so you give them time and you let them know it's gonna be okay. You came to the right place. You know, God sent you here today because we pray for every person who steps in that building that God is sending. So, um, so how we lead is how they, um, they share with us. Uh, the ladies want our support. A lot of them, when they, when they hear about a friend has told them about the place, I would say, I'm being biased here, but I would say 99% um, would say, I enjoyed going to Life Choices. There's something about that place I want to keep coming back to. And so they come with that on their mind. And then I just lead with them about, um, well, what's going on? How did you get there? You know. And they will pretty much say, yes, I wasn't supposed to be doing what I'm doing. They know it. And then, then they will give their story. So I'll say, well, well, if you're pregnant, what do you decide to do? And that's something we're waiting for them to say because we're not going to speak for them. And they will say, yes, I, I want to have this baby, or I'm deciding, or I'm thinking about abortion. And then the next question goes from there. Okay, so why are you thinking about abortion? Well, it could be something that comes out of our mouth saying, well, again, I won't be able to be on the cheerleading team or I won't be able to finish school or, or they might just come out and say, well, you know what? The father said he don't want this baby. And a lot of them say that. Um, you could see them just breaking down because they want the father to say, have this baby. Even a lot of times when we've gotten into the ultrasound room, even with the father present, he could be in the counseling room. I'll ask the client, so what do you, what do you want? And I ask both of them, but I'll ask the mother, and she'll say, well, it's what he wants. And she'll look at him kind of like glaring, like, just say, yes, you want this baby. And then we'll solve it. But it doesn't happen that way. But we leave the gospel to everybody at the opportunity that they say that they don't know about Jesus, right? But we got to the point where we're very um, bold and confident in our Lord Jesus Christ that we don't want anyone to go to hell. That's what's on our mind. That today is the day of salvation. We're not promised tomorrow. And if anyone walks in that building, we don't share with them, and they don't know Jesus. They don't have the assurance. And something happens to them, and they die, and they go to hell. Well, that child's, their blood is going to be on our hands. And so letting them know that we care 
and that we have our promise, we have that, they tend to kind of, they lean into us. They're listening. They want us to, they want, they're looking for help. They wouldn't be coming. But we tell them, you know, yes, you, the baby is not the sin. It's a gift from God. And they want to hear other women say, yes, have this baby. And that's what we tell them. And some of us, um, some of the clients that are wanting to or, or even thinking about abortion, they've already done their research. They, a lot of them have an idea. But we're not the ones to tell them. So since they say that their friend has told them about it, so we say, oh, did they tell you that we are a Christian organization? We do not perform abortions, and we will not refer, we will not refer you to one either. Ninety percent of our clients that come in, uh, we would classify them as abortion determined. Yeah, yeah. So almost all of them come in as abortion determined. Um, I guess like how many of these are you, are you going to have? Um, I'd say they're very um, percentage wise. Okay. Percentage wise, I think that it's probably a small percentage that go do go get the abortion, okay. especially okay. now. Yeah, we do keep up with it, but I'd have to get online. Um, we do. Um, and now that it's harder in the state of Tennessee, if they don't know that Planned Parenthood will provide transportation for them, um, or another abortion clinic will provide transportation for them, or Starbucks will provide transportation for them, um, that they, if they don't know that, <laughs> that's a huge pet peeve of mine, sorry. <laughs> if they don't know that, yeah. Yes, they do. Uh -huh. <laughs> Rachel's like hiding her cup. I know, Rachel's hiding her cup. But anyway. They go to Illinois and Kansas, Georgia. Illinois is the closest. We had a um, the 14 or 15-year-old that came in, and they had an appointment in Kansas the next day. And her mother brought her. They had made the appointment, and both of them prayed to receive Christ and changed their minds. So, yeah. So what was your second question? Second question. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Denise, you want to answer that one? You're, you're good at that. Actually, Angel is one of our baby prep coaches. A lot of times. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Denise can share a little bit about how they do it. The client advocates maintain that relationship, and then we'll let Angela share how the baby prep coaches, mentors do that. So um, we walk through with our clients all the way until the baby comes. So if they um, decide that they're going to choose to parent, then that what that looks like is we try to get them connected to our resources, which are we offer classes, and we offer one-on-one -on -one class or a group class because not everybody likes one, one of those. So, um, And then we try to get them connected. If it's one-on-one, -on -one, we get them connected with somebody 
that is like a mentor to them that can walk alongside them through that journey. And then if they're not plugged into a church, we try to get them plugged into a church mm -hmm. too so that they can have mentors in other places, not just through us. And there's lots of resources for pregnant women in the state of in Mrs. Memphis. Um, we also refer them to one by one for mentoring. Like if they work full time and they can't come to life choices during the day, we'll send them to one by one. But also after they have their baby, we send them to one by one, um, which continues that mentoring process. There's nurse family partnership where a nurse will get in touch with them every month. There's so many resources that we connect them to outside of life choices. And then Angela, you want to share about what you do? The fathers can come with them to the classes and there's watch the videos. Um, since we switched to the video curriculum, it's become a lot more easy for that. And we do have lots of fathers that come. We're working on a men's program. Um, so if we're sort of a mentorship for the men. Um, so does that answer your question? Okay. <laughs> so we need some men. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, and, that, and that's true, we do, we need the men, why? Because um, the, the fathers come and they're coming for support. A lot of them are, but a lot of them don't have a clue. And so I can't tell a man 
how to be a man because I'm not a man. I'm a woman. And, um, but I will share the gospel if there's a man present. And, and there's been several times that both of them have prayed to receive Christ. And so um, that's a step that we um, always should offer. I opened, I was at Poplar one day, and the girl came to the window, I pulled the glass up, and she said, I'm here for my abortion, <laughs> so, yeah, but we'll see her, like, well, come on in, we, we don't do abortions, but we can help you, you know, um, but as far as more clients, I would think it's been about the same, the phone's ringing more, that's a good word, the phone's ringing more, at first, like, right after it got overturned, they were angry, they were angry that we would not do an abortion, but we've never done abortions, <laughs> and so, they were desperate in their mind to get to an abortion. Of course, they ask us where, and we're like, I don't know, because we don't refer for abortions. But um, So Planned Parenthood and choices are still open, yes. and they can still walk in their doors and get a pregnancy test and find out, and then they'll help them to get to the next place. So yeah. if they were closed completely, we, could, we, would, we would probably have more. Like a diagnosis, a prenatal diagnosis, a fetal diagnosis, or well, usually that's later on in the pregnancy when they find that out. We did have a lady about a year ago that had a trisomy thirteen baby, and she was going to choose adoption, which she felt very guilty about. And I tried to let her know, you know, we have families that would love to have this baby. The baby lived about 13 hours after she was born. And so, she, of course, trisomy, you know, the lower the number, as you know, the worse this, the, the d diagnosis. Um, our ultrasounds are not diagnostic. We're looking for three things. We're looking to make sure the baby's in the uterus, the baby has a heartbeat, and then measure the baby, how far along they are. So that's usually within the first trimester, and we don't do any... But if they go to the doctor and get that, um, we don't usually, I don't, I don't know that I've ever heard them come back and say, hey, I need to get an abortion. Because they're so far along, and in the state of Tennessee, even before Roe v. Wade, you could not get one after 20 weeks. So... Right. Now... We will absolutely get them in touch with a high-risk doctor then we can get them in touch with the resources that help with those diagnoses. You know, there's plenty of resources out there for them, so. Maybe one to two percent <laughs> of our clients choose adoption. Last year we had a slow year, um, COVID hit, and we only did like three last year. We've already done six this year. Um, so 
And that's something that so people say, well, I want to adopt a baby. How long do I have to wait? And I'm like, well, however long it takes for the girl to choose you. Because the birth mother chooses the family she wants to place the baby with. So. Yes. And that's exactly what we want to do. Because the, thi the difference in us and the foster system is the foster system, those babies don't become adoptable. Mm -hmm. Because a mother has to sign surrenders for her baby to be adoptable. And if she doesn't sign surrenders, that baby's stuck in foster care. And I mean, she may not want that baby, but you got to get her to sign surrenders, or maybe you can't find the birth certificate or whatever. Um, with us, she goes to court and signs surrenders after the baby's born, and we place the baby with the adoptive family. So we're a little bit different than foster care in that, you know, yeah, okay. So Father's Day, we launched our um, men's ministry, and basically uh, the design that we want to move forward in, um, uh, our, we, what we need is the actual men to come in and be a part, um, but the design is moving forward that that's kind of that same um, baby prep that we do with, with women. We want to kind of duplicate that for men, right? Um, if you have kids in here, or I mean... We all have parents, right? Every single one of us. You know, we don't, we're not born knowing how to be good moms and dads, right? We're shown how to be good moms and dads by the people that raise us and the people that live around us. So we want those men to come. And, you know, at first it could look like, hey, I've got a block of time. I'd love to come in to the ministry. And, and first of all, you know, if there's not, if a man doesn't come in, which that's where, I mean, we have men come in every single day with their girlfriends or friends or partners or whatever we're calling them. But like, you know, and so they're sitting there and of course, you know, we want to be able to speak to him. And, but like Hattie said, right, I'm a wife. I'm going to go sit down next to him and I'm going to have a laundry list of things for him to do that I know that he needs to do. Um, and that's probably not the way Jesus wants me to talk to him. So a man saying, Hey, you know, what are those, what, what does that look like to be, a good dad, a biblical dad. Um, so that's what we're looking for. We're looking for men with time, you know, time, time to, to give. So what I would like for y'all to kind of leave us with is what do we do when the Lord brings somebody across our path who is wrestling through these ideas? What should we do? How should we respond? I don't have any wonderful answer, <laughs> but honestly, the main thing I can tell you is just to love on them and show them Jesus, because the rea reality is, is that, you know, when I first started working at Life Choices, I mean, you know, you're excited, you think you're going to get in, meet these women, they're going to just all get saved, and it's going to be great, you know, <laughs> but the reality is, is they're hurting, and honestly, they're all Christians, and so they've heard all of it. They say they are. You know, yeah, they say they are. That's what the quotation is. <laughs> um, they all say they are, though. Um, and so they know all this stuff, but they're not experiencing the relationship with Jesus. They're not experiencing people in their lives that are actually showing them love. And so a lot of times they know all the right things, 
they just need someone to dive in there and like Rachel was saying, see through the stuff and really be who Jesus is to all the people that were in the Bible. And I mean, you know, sometimes we look at ourselves and we think we have to look a certain way to be loved by Christ, but the truth is that's just not true, you know? And so they just need to know that they're loved regardless of whatever situation they're in. Um, and just try to be that constant support for them in that and not maybe, I think we think maybe we wouldn't turn in those, but sometimes you hear some crazy stories, you know? And so just trying to not react in that way and just to consistently tell them that their identity is in Christ. And sometimes they don't want the Lord, you know? And sometimes showing them the love of Christ is just being consistently kind and loving them regardless and never getting upset with them or turning them away or things like that. And so that would just be my one thing because every story is different. Every situation is going to be different. But if you can show them Christ, that can be, that's the main foundation, right? The main building block. And you know, that would be my one thing. Um, I think that I would tell you first, and and um, it, and this is one of the really important things is if, if you have someone who um, comes to you and says, "Hey, I have, you know, an unexpected pregnancy," or um, you know, men, if you know, if you've got that young guy maybe that you're working with, and and he's like, "Man, my girlfriend's pregnant," um, you know, or you've encountered somebody that has abortion in their past, um, it takes an extreme amount of courage to say that to somebody out loud. So the first thing that I would say is tell them, thank you for trusting me with the information that you just shared. Please know that I care about you um, and I want to help you. Um, it's great to pray for people, right? We love Jesus. We're going to pray for you. But what are the action steps? The action steps are compassion. The action steps are directing them to resources. Um, if someone's sharing that with you and they... Oh, I know, I, I know who you should call. First, start with compassion and listen. And they might not want you to solve their problem. They just want you to listen. And then say, hey, you know, again, thank you for sharing that information. Hey, I was actually at this class just last Wednesday at church, and they, they told me about this organization. Hey, do you want me to, let's look it up together, you know, do, do you need a ride there? Can, can I call you an Uber to get there? It, you know, maybe you work. Maybe you're not available during the day. You know, look, think outside the box. You know, figure out a way to just be that person for somebody. Right? And I'm not saying be a doormat. Right? Because um, our clients, they they need a lot. Right? We all need a lot. We're all messy. We're all broken. Um, but just lead with compassion and then say, hey, I'm here to walk you through to at least find you some resources until I can pass you off to somebody that we both know and trust. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so again, um, the HOPE ministry, helping others with post-abortion experience. So let's say that um, we've identified, you've identified a woman who, you know, has shared about abortion in her past. Um, she can easily go to the website, um, lcfriends.org, and find out about our HOPE ministry. And what that is is she's put with a person um, 
for example, let's just say that I'm, I'm the person that, that gets that phone call. Um, I'm going to meet with her one-on-one. I'm going to give her a safe place to share her story. Um, and, you know, if she wants to tell me that the first time we meet, I'm going to listen. If she doesn't, that's great. We're just here to get, I'm just here to know your name, right? You don't have to tell me your deepest, darkest secrets. Let's start with your name. Um, and so we do those one-on-one, um, and all of our services are free. So this ho- it's, it's all free. Um, we don't, our, we don't even have a billing department, but they're put one-on-one. We go through that process. Hopefully, um, when they come here, when they get to me, they have a personal relationship with Christ already. If not, that's going to be the number one thing is because apart from the saving work of Christ, you cannot be healed from the pain and guilt and shame of abortion. You can unload the secret to me and you can feel better, but it's going to come back. So unless, the, unless you have reconciled that to your Heavenly Father, it's going to keep coming back. So we always make sure that the, the healing is, found, is foundational in Christ. Then eventually we hope to, to bridge that woman into our Bible study, Forgiven and Set Free. It's written and designed specifically by a post-abortion woman for post-abortion women. It's a 10-week process, and in this process, we as post-abortion women learn who God is, what he says about us, what he says about abortion, um, where are our children? Are they in heaven? Um, you know, and so it's it's a lot, it's, it's very deep, it's very intense, um, but from my own personal experience, I will say, I, I said in my testimony that, right, my relationships were marked by, by death and, and darkness. When I went through this Hope Bible study, I, I, I was changed. It's not just, like, this is not just part of, and it's true for all of us. This isn't just our job. It's, we love it. We love it. So. Yes. Um, so we do not accept any fe- state or federal funding. Um, we're privately supported by churches, individuals, businesses that stand for life, um, and we receive foundational grants you know, if, if we're awarded those by Heartbeat International or uh, Focus on the Family, things of that nature. Focus on the Family awarded us um, our ultrasound machines a few years ago through a grant. So things like that. It's a good question. Mm-hmm. It is. Uh-huh. It's got its own page. It's just called Hope. Yeah. And uh, please follow our social media. That We put out stuff all the time new dates, new ways to get involved, volunteer orientations, um, what we as a staff are reading. You know, I, we, we just did a tab on, um, you know, what we're reading. How, you know, how do we, how can we sit up here and know the things that we know? Well, we educate. You know, we continue to learn things, so.
housekeeping-wise, the next week is generational poverty. Um, Ross McGregor will be here, and Ben will be here. Ben Taylor will be here to talk to us about that, um, about generational poverty. The next week is cultural awareness, and we need to close out um, with a lot of these, with several, with I think five new speakers. So, um, thank. If like I said, if there's any questions that you want to ask, maybe you can stay after, write it down on that piece of paper, and I'll get it back to them. And I'll also share the recording. But I just want to begin to thank you all. Um, Heavenly Father, you are holy, 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 and we are thankful um, for uh, your gift of Christ uh, to us for salvation. Uh, Lord, we're thankful for um, the men and women in this room who are um, interested in, in learning more about how to serve you better um, when it comes to the sanctity of human life. Lord, I'm thankful for their hearts. I'm thankful for um, the questions uh, that were asked. Lord, I'm thankful for um, my coworkers that uh, I'm here with tonight. Lord, uh, I just ask for uh, wisdom as we all go through and encounter those that need to hear uh, the good news of Christ. Uh, Lord, just help us be um, salt and light in a world um, that is increasingly uh, dark. So in heaven, uh, we just ask in Jesus' name, amen. <laughs>